You're listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Welcome to Equus Farm Calls, where we take horse owners along with us to discuss important topics on equine health and care with industry experts. Today, we're talking to Dr. Sarah Comer about West Nile virus in horses. Keep your horse happy and healthy and get rewarded with free products at the same time. Farnham Horse Health Products and Vitaflex Pro are proud to celebrate the partnership between you and your horse. So they created the Horse Care Loyalty Rewards Program. It's their way of giving back and provides an opportunity for you to earn complimentary, full-size supplements, fly control, and grooming products that you use regularly. Receive one free product for every five purchased at any online or local retail store. View a complete list of eligible products at horsecareloyalty.com. Enroll today and start earning your rewards. Hi, Kim. Thanks so much for having me. Well, thanks so much for being with us. And we also want to thank uh, our, our sponsor, Farnham, for bringing you the Equus Farm Calls this year. But let me tell our audience a little bit about you, Dr. Colmer. She is a veterinarian, but she's also boarded in internal medicine. She's currently a fellow in large animal neurology under Amy, Dr. Amy Johnson at the University of Pennsylvania's New Bolton Center in Kennett Square, Pennsylvania. And she recently completed her residency to become board certified in large animal internal medicine. She has research interests in neurologic conditions of the horse, particularly degenerative diseases, as well as endocrinology. So we're going to talk about West Nile virus in horses. I know we've seen all kinds of reports this year about West Nile virus. So let's talk a little bit to our audience, Dr. Colmer, about what is West Nile virus? A great question. So West Nile virus is really fascinating. It is a vector-borne virus, which basically means that it's spread around by some sort of vector, which in this case is, of course, the mosquito. And it does cause fever in a lot of cases, and in some cases, neurologic disease in humans and horses, and maybe even other mammals as well. Uh, But we're going to focus on horses today, and it is present in many different parts of the globe, and certainly right here in the U.S. And since 1999, which was when it was first identified in the United States, more than 25,000 cases have been reported in horses. So it's definitely one to be on the lookout for. Yeah, that really is kind of a a little bit scary. It spreads so quickly and it's, it's pretty much everywhere. But what are the clinical signs? What should horse owners be looking for for West Nile virus? That's a really good question. So uh, clinical signs can really vary. In fact, some horses might actually be exposed to West Nile virus and maybe never even show any clinical signs. But I'm going to spend some time talking about what it looks like when it really does take hold, particularly in the neurologic system. And we think that typically it takes about maybe two weeks or so before signs become apparent. And they can present in a whole variety of ways as always with neurologic disease. I probably said this in our last podcast about a totally different condition, but neurologic disease can be so unique in individuals. It can present as colic even in some cases, Um, but typically fever is uh, one of the first things that people might notice, although in some cases the fever might not be noticed. If the horse, for instance, lives out in a field and maybe, you know, it's not having its temperature taken and it's not being ridden every day. So some horse owners and some veterinarians might even miss the opportunity to know a fever exists, but a fever can be the first sort of sign. 
And then we can have a variety of different neurologic signs from there. So West Nile virus can be what we refer to as asymmetric, meaning that the signs might happen on one side of the body or one side of the face, but it doesn't have to. It can kind of do whatever it wants, so to speak. And the signs can include anything from ataxia, which is basically unsteadiness on their feet and kind of issues with balance and weakness, or horses can be unable to rise in really severe cases and require assistance. Um, sometimes it presents a little bit more subtly though, and we can see things like muscle fasciculations, a droopy lip, um, you know, twitching of the face or muzzle, um, and then also behavior changes can be present as well. So horses can be really, really dull and quiet. Or on the other side of the spectrum, they can be really um, aggressive even in some cases because it does affect different parts of the brain that can be responsible for behavior and response. So it's a huge variety of clinical signs. Wow. And so that that leaves horse owners really needing to get in touch with their veterinarians if they notice something's off with their horse. Absolutely. If you think that your horse could have West Nile or really any neurologic condition, it certainly would be wise to alert your veterinarian right away. And depending on the severity of signs, if you are dealing with a horse that's unsteady on his feet or aggressive or anything like that, it's going to be really important to keep people safe and other animals, barn cats, barn dogs, whoever's around sort of out of you know harm's way and if the horse can be contained in a stall and in some safe environment that's certainly ideal what a great tip yes so how do you actually diagnose it because you you mentioned it can have okay it can look like colic it can look like all kind of lameness so how do you know it's west nile that's a really good question as well. So in terms of trying to decipher what's going on, we talked about the importance of getting your veterinarian involved early. And so what your vet can do is try to decipher, is this a neurologic problem? Is this a gastrointestinal problem? Um, you know, what exactly is the body system that we're dealing with? And sometimes that can be harder to do than you think. Um, and if the horse needs to be referred into a hospital, as some cases do for really intensive care that would be a recommendation in some cases and from there typically with neurologic disease of any type we will do diagnostics that include a spinal tap um, of course a neurologic evaluation first and then a spinal tap uh, we might take x-rays to look for a neck problem it totally depends sort of on what the horse looks like but to actually diagnose uh, West Nile virus there is a really nice blood test that's available um, it's called the IgM capture ELISA and and uh, your veterinarian might recommend that to look for West Nile virus. And it's nice because unlike other conditions that require cerebrospinal fluid, the blood test can be helpful um, on its own, which is, is a really nice utility to have. However, it's not exactly perfect either. So horses that have been vaccinated for West Nile might have some different results that can make it hard to interpret. So it's always best to have your veterinarian um, you know, decide whether or not they think the test is warranted and then they will interpret it in light of sort of everything else going on. And the gold standard diagnostic, as often is the case with neurologic disease, is postmortem evaluation, at which point, you know, our, our pathologists are able to find evidence in different central nervous system tissues. But hopefully we, we don't get to that point in most of our cases. 
Absolutely. So let's let's talk about treatment. And you said this could go all the way from just very mild disease to something where the horse is down and needs to go to a hospital. So what what are the treatments that are used for this? Yeah, it's tricky. It definitely depends on how severe the horse is affected, as you've mentioned, Kim. So if the horse is um, majorly affected and needs a lot of nursing care, then supportive care is going to be very important. And that's where a hospital setting will often come into play. So if the horse is not able to rise on his or her own, you're certainly going to want to try to get them to a place where you have hoisting capabilities, where we can change what side the horse is laying on, assist them to rise, that kind of thing. Thing. And supportive care also involves IV fluid therapy in some cases. If the horse is not able to drink or eat on their own, you know, we can provide nutritional and hydrational support as needed. And then um, typically we will administer anti-inflammatories as sort of the crux of the clinical signs is, is an inflammatory reaction, or at least in part. So anti-inflammatories to kind of quiet things down as much as we can. And then, unfortunately, there's no proven targeted therapies for West Nile virus in the horse. Um, so that means, you know, we don't have an antiviral medication that we can give them that's shown any efficacy. And there is a commercially available plasma product, which is a blood product that has antibodies essentially in it targeted against West Nile virus. However, the studies are scarce on that. And so, you know, it's not necessarily like a gold standard treatment or anything of that nature. So it's very much a supportive uh, kind of treatment. Okay. And how do we prevent this as horse owners? Prevention is definitely important and perhaps it's getting even more important with different changes to um, sort of weather patterns, particularly in different parts of the country where maybe it didn't used to be as warm as it is now. All those things that make a good environment for mosquitoes. Um, and so things that you can do as a horse owner at home, as far as basic sort of husbandry type things, you can try to minimize freestanding water as much as possible. Um, you know, so if you have a leaky hose or something like that with a big puddle, something that you have control over versus of course, you know, a pond is not gonna be an easy fix, but trying to minimize standing water as much as possible is sort of a relatively easy management strategy that can be employed by the horse owner. And then luckily we are fortunate to have uh, multiple vaccine options available in this country for the prevention of West Nile virus. And like any vaccine, it's not perfect, but it certainly is um, you know, reasonably effective at preventing the disease in different studies. And so it is part of what we call core vaccines, meaning uh, just kind of basic assumed administered vaccines in different parts of the country where we know West Nile exists especially if there are lots of cases in the area. And so there are a couple different options. Different veterinarians might have different preferences, but they are all um, pretty similar in their efficacy. And in terms of specific recommendations on different horses, like pregnant mares or younger horses, older horses, there are some really nice outlined recommendations on AEP's website, uh, sort of guiding administration and when to do boosters and when not to do boosters. But it certainly is a vaccine that we in general recommend. 
Well, that's a good thing. And we'll make sure and include a link in the article on equusmagazine.com that that takes you to those AAEP recommendations. So is there anything else, Dr. Colmer, that you can um, offer to horse owners when they're faced with West Nile virus? Yes. Um, so in terms of, you know, maybe prognosis and, and what you can think of when if you're dealing with a horse with West Nile virus, prognosis is important because, you know, if you're going to try to treat the horse and supportively care for the horse, you're probably going to want to know what you're up against in terms of odds. Uh, that's a natural question that we get here a lot for different disease processes. And it's certainly variable, as always, with neurologic disease. But many horses will improve in their clinical signs, particularly if they are horses that did not become recumbent, which basically means as long as they're able to stand on their own, they have a much better prognosis. However, once they do become recumbent and they cannot rise without assistance, their prognosis does dramatically decrease. So if you do find yourself in that situation, your veterinarian will probably discuss sort of those odds with you. But by and large in the literature, up to 90% of horses that do recover will eventually reach full recovery, but that can take months in some cases. So it really depends on how severe the individual is affected and residual signs do exist in some cases. So some horses might have residual ataxia, which is that sort of incoordination that I mentioned. They might be a little bit weaker or easier to fatigue in their work than they were before they experienced West Nile virus. Um, but luckily, the fatality rate is around 30 or so per so it's not, you know, an absolute, um, you know, death sentence if you do end up dealing with a horse with West Nile virus. And so I think that's important to consider if you find yourself in that situation as far as decision making and, and things like that go. Um, and in some cases, I guess another note on prognosis, some cases can have recrudescence, meaning that they might get better after a couple days and then they might take a couple steps back. So it certainly can be a bit of a roller coaster. Um, but we do tend to you know, basically hope that it's West Nile if we're dealing with any of our different viral encephalidities, which is basically that category of disease associated with viruses that affect the nervous system. So if you're going to have one of them, West Nile is not the worst one to have. Well, that's good news. So, well, thank you so much, Dr. Colmer, for taking time to join us today on Equus Farm Calls. And a big thanks to our audience for joining us and especially for our sponsor. We really appreciate you joining us. And if you have suggestions or comments, feel free to contact me at kbrown, that's the letter K Brown at equinenetwork.com. Equus Farm Calls is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network, LLC. 